Good evening, church family. It is a joy to be with you all on this brisk fall evening. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I was hoping I would get a lapel mic because, uh, you know, often we're in the exalted pulpit and it's not a lot of room to, to move. I was like, oh, I got a stage tonight. But I'm, I'm stuck here with this mic, so there will not be any movement going on. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Matthew 6. Uh, we're going to look at verses 5 through 8 tonight. Last week, we began a new section in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, this section, we are focusing on how Jesus tells his followers how they are to do religious activities in the world in which they live. Or as one pastor said it, how religious people are to do religious stuff. Last week we explored what it looked like for followers of Jesus to engage in the spiritual discipline of giving. This evening we're going to look at the spiritual discipline of prayer. Before we jump into this, uh, uh, this word about prayer, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask that he would help us in this moment. Father, we ask that you would help us this evening. Give us a word from you. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, open my mouth to preach what word you have. Holy Spirit, open up everyone's ears to hear the word that you have for them. In all of this, might you be glorified. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you have Matthew 6, read along with me. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Amen. When you think about sin, what actions come to mind? When you think about places where sin runs rampant, what places come to mind? If you're like me, the sinful actions that jump into my mind are those such as killing someone in cold blood, stealing money. Sinful places where, places where uh, sin runs rampant, places like Sin City, Las Vegas, fraternity parties. These are the places and the actions that pop into our minds when we think of sin. However, how many of us are aware that sin can occur during religious activities and in places that we would even deem holy ground? What if I told you that sin is so inconspicuous, so quiet, so discreet, so flying under the radar that it is able to infiltrate areas that we assume that we assume would never be a problem. We would assume sin would never touch this area. 
But sin isn't relegated to the obvious. Sin works itself into the places that we would say it's not welcome here. And it accomplishes what sin always accomplishes, a broken relationship between God and man. Prayer is one of those places that sin can enter and destroy our relationship with God. Prayer is one of those places that seems to be safe. It seems to be off limits from the effects of sin. But it is not. Even though we pray, we can go about prayer in a way that dishonors our king and dishonors our father. So imagine with me for a moment. Use your imaginations. It's not going to be too hard with this. It's time to pray, right? Let's create a setting, whether it's before or after a Bible study you're in, whether someone has asked you to pray for a meal. Let's say you're in your Monday morning staff meetings. Let's say you are in the Eve room for a missionary prayer hour. Create the situation, the scenario, and now it's time to pray. You recognize that the time is drawing near. You recognize that it's almost time for you to start praying. You know what happens. Your heart starts beating a little fast. You feel a few butterflies in your stomach. You are ready to pray, but you start wondering, is my prayer ready to be prayed in front of other people? You think, how should I start this? How do I slide this quote in there? How do I insert this uh, scripture memory verse in here? How will people receive what I pray? You finish praying, you say, amen. And afterwards you wonder if people caught the level of spiritual maturity you have in praying. You wonder if people were impressed by your prayerful rhetoric. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever experienced that? I know I have. But the question must be asked is this. Is this how Jesus expects his disciples to pray? Is that an experience that Jesus expects for his disciples? Tonight's uh, text addresses this very question. How are followers of Jesus, how are people who call on the name of Jesus, how are they to pray? Do you know? By God's grace, he has given this portion of scripture to answer this very question. Jesus says this. He, he gives a clear command, not just that we should pray, but how we should go about praying. So the question is this, million dollar question. How are we as disciples to pray? From this text, I want to submit to you tonight that we should pray as if we are having a conversation with God a conversation with him because in Jesus Christ, you have a new relationship with him. That relationship is that of a child with a father. Your 
identity shapes how you pray. So understand this. You are not just a citizen of heaven. Yes, you are. You are a follower of Jesus. You are a disciple of Christ. You are part of the people of God. But you are a child of the heavenly father. This identity shapes not just that you pray, but how you pray. Your identity shapes it in three ways. It encourages you to pray with your father. It encourages you to pray focused on your father. And it encourages you to pray straightforward to him. We're going to break each of these down. Because you are a child of God, brothers and sisters, pray whenever you can. Pray when you can. If prayer is a conversation with our Heavenly Father, if prayer is the lifeline of the believer, it is, if it is how we talk and commune with God, we should take every opportunity to pray with him. This is what Jesus expected from those who follow him. Jesus assumes that followers of Christ would talk with and commune with the Father. In the span of four verses, four verses, he says, when you pray, three times. He doesn't say, disciples, if you pray, if you decide to pray, if you should make it a point to pray. No, he says, when you pray. Jesus expected those who follow him to speak and to commune and to talk with their heavenly father. The question is, Jesus, why do you expect this? Why did you expect your followers to do this? The reason Jesus expects this is because communing with the Father is the heart of the good news of Jesus Christ. It is at the center of why he came. The finished work of Jesus isn't just about getting his disciples out of hell. The finished work of of Jesus isn't just getting his people into heaven. The finished work of Jesus is about bringing people into a real relationship with the living God. That is what the good news of the gospel is. The finished work of Jesus Christ, it secures for his followers a real, personal, vibrant relationship with the God who has made heaven and earth. Jesus' followers, because of what Jesus did on the cross, they have unfettered access to God. They can speak to him whenever they want, about whatever they want, anytime, any place, anywhere, about anything. Jesus is not concerned about if you will pray. He was, he was concerned with how will you do it. Many of us have heard the phrase secure as Fort Knox. That thing is tight as Fort Knox. You, you've heard that before. Fort Knox was built to store massive deposits of gold. It is one of the most guarded military bases in the world and one of the most secure places to ever exist. Fort Knox is 109,000 well, 109, acre military base. It encloses the U.S. Federal Gold Reserve. But really what makes it so famous is that there is something located called the impenetrable fault of Fort Knox. 
This building is impenetrable, y'all. Listen to this. 16,000 cubic feet of granite. 4,200 cubic yards of concrete. 750 tons of reinforced steel. 670 tons of structural steel. The front door, check this out. The front door is said to weigh over 20 tons. You ain't walking in there. The government pays over five mil, five million dollars to keep it secure. No visitor has access to it. It is not open to the public. Only employees and Treasury Department officials have access to it. I even heard the president doesn't have that level of, of uh, access. Church family, there is a place that's more impenetrable than Fort Knox. That is the throne room of God. That is the presence of God. The presence of the one who has made heaven and earth. No one, no one has access to him. But in faith in Jesus Christ, in his life, death, and resurrection, you and I gain unfettered access to him. You and now I can now enter into his presence as a child of God. We don't have to get patted down to come and see him. We don't have to go through security checkpoints. We don't have to have a priest usher us to him. In Christ Jesus, we have access to the God who has made all things. Are you taking advantage of that access? Are you speaking to the one who holds the world in the palm of his hand? Are you communicating with the God, the God who loves you? Are you taking advantage of that? If not, I want to submit to you tonight that you should. If not, you should take advantage and pray to your Father when, about anything, whenever you can, however you can. Jesus expects us to do this, not because it's a chore, but because it's a privilege. Now, the major concern is how exactly do you pray when you step into this privilege? How do you, how do you go about this in a God-honoring way? Jesus says that our prayers must be focused solely on our Father. So not only do we pray when we can, but when we pray, they are to be focused solely on him. This seems kind of obvious, right? This seems so obvious that it almost seems like an irrelevant point for us. Who else will we pray to? I'm not praying to a rock or a stone, am I? I'm only praying to God. Not so fast. Not so fast, brothers and sisters. Let's, let's look what Jesus says here in verse 5. Jesus says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Jesus has told his followers who not to be like. He says, do not model your praying after hypocrites. But why? Jesus continues in the verse and he says, for they love to stand. That's it, right? How they stand and posture themselves. That's not the issue. Standing was a common practice then. 
Well, if you continue reading the verse, it says, for they love to stand and pray in synagogues and at street corners. That's the issue. It's not their posture. It's where they're, they're going about praying. That's the issue, right? Again, no. Another common practice in first century uh, life. But then he says, when they pray, they love to stand and they love to pray in the synagogues, in the street corners, that they may be seen by others. To the hypocrites, prayer was just a stepping stone. Prayer was a platform for them to act righteous so that people would pat them on the back, that they could receive glory from men. The Greek word for hypocrite was that of an actor who masks himself up and pretends to be something that he is not. The hypocrites were nothing more than religious phonies who robed themselves in prayer so that people would look at them and say, he's got it together. Look at how religious he is. And Jesus says to them, truly, truly, speaking about them, truly, truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. They received what they prayed for, the praise of men, and that's all they got nothing else. But Jesus tells his followers not to be like that. Instead, he says in verse 6, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. When Jesus tells his followers this, he is not simply talking about location. Many people in the first century didn't have multiple rooms. It was a single room so the idea of going into a closet wasn't accessible to everyone. Jesus, Jesus is not condemning public prayer. Jesus prayed publicly. The early church lived on public prayer. The heart of what Jesus is saying is this. Jesus wants his followers to have a singular focus when they pray. And you know who that focus is? God the Father. Do you see how praying in a closet enables that? It enables the singular focus that when I am praying, I am talking only, only to the Father. One of the most jolting things that you can experience is when you realize an actor is just that, an actor. Have you ever been so caught up in a movie, TV show, whatever it might be, you were so caught up in this character that you saw the actor as the character himself. And then you realize in an interview, oh, he's just acting. This happened to me last week. I'm going to take, take you back growing up. I was born in 88, so all my TV shows were the 90s. So you could guess it. One of my favorite TV shows was Family Matters. Loved it. Loved Family Matters. I loved it so much, I got my kids watching it now. Well, last week, I came across an interview with Carl Winslow. Oh, hold on, correction. Uh, Reginald Vale Johnson is his name. He was being interviewed, and they were asking about his time working with Steve, working with the other members of the set. And then at one point, the reporter asked him, do you have children? And he said, oh, no, 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 no. I don't, not in real life. I was floored. 
I was appalled. He doesn't have children? And it hit me like a ton of bricks. He was acting. In the same way, when people pray to men, they are just that, acting. They are acting so that people around them can see them. Instead of using a TV show, instead of using a stage, they use prayer as their platform so that people can see them and say, wow, look at how great he is. How wicked is that? How reprehensible is that? Brothers and sisters, please, I beg, I implore you, just as Jesus does, do not be like that. When you pray, he, God the Father, is your focus. He's your audience. He is who you're talking to. No one else. No matter if you're praying before a meal, if you're praying in front of a congregation, if you are praying in front of a Bible study, your prayers are meant for one, the Father who is above. Do you pray like that? Do you pray as if you are talking only to God? Or do you pray hoping that men around you will receive it? Do you pray hoping that your Father is, has his ear towards you? Or are you hoping that the people around you are impressed by what you are praying? Let us not point the finger at the hypocrites too quickly. I know my heart. I know it, unfortunately, very well. And I am scared to know how many prayers I have offered here than I have offered here. I'm scared to know how many prayers I've offered this way than that way. So if you are like me, if you are in the same boat as me, Join me in turning from that. Join me in repenting of religious hypocrisy. Join me in turning to faith in Christ for putting our hope in being praised by men. Turn with me by the Spirit of God to pray only to God from this time forth and forevermore. This is not something to be fearful to confess. This is not something to be fearful to acknowledge because we got to hit rewind real quick. Early in the, the chapter of uh, the Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 5, Jesus says this at the beginning of the Beatitudes. Blessed are who? Blessed are those who are poor, who are broken in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So do not fear Acknowledge it and run to the cross. I'll be running right beside you too. Lastly, because you are a child of God, yes, you are to pray to him, only to him, but also you are to pray straightforward to him as well. This is important. I, I, I want to convey this clearly. You do not need to hit a certain number of hours in your prayer closet to be considered a prayer warrior. It's not how many hours you log. It is how many real engaged prayers you have with your Heavenly Father. 
Jesus is not so concerned about how long your prayers are as he is with how honest, engaged, and real your prayers are with him. Look in verse 7 and 8. Jesus switches from using the hypocrites as a bad example to using the Gentiles as a bad example. He says, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. There were two issues Jesus had here. First, the Gentiles prayed mindlessly and unengaged. And second, it was repetitive, long and repetitive long prayers. Gentiles were trying to gain the attention of their gods by mindlessly repeating and reiterating the names and using the same words and phrases, hoping to wake their god up. They recite their prayers more as alarm clocks. Their gods were asleep. How do we wake him up? Think about 1 Kings 18. The prophets of Baal. The first half of the day, bouncing around, screaming, imploring, pleading to their God, wake up. They went so far as, this isn't working. Let me start cutting myself. Wake up, Baal. Jesus says, child of God, do not pray like this. For, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus is saying to his disciples, you do not need to mindlessly heap up empty phrases hoping that your God will finally wake up. Jesus says to his disciples, your God is already up and acting on your behalf. He is aware of what you need and he is working for you before you even ask him God, the living God, does not need to be informed about what is going on. He knows. Prayer is not an alarm clock for God. Prayer, then, is talking to God, talking with your heavenly Father, with what is on your heart. That is what prayer is. And what that means is he is calling us to pray straightforward, honest real, authentic prayers to him. God is not looking for more words. He is looking for more honesty. He is looking for more engagement and more straightforward prayers. In a few weeks, uh, we'll be, uh, I think Pastor Fender will be preaching on the Lord's Prayer. Uh, So that is an excellent picture of a straightforward prayer. So instead of Using that as an illustration, I want to use a different one. Listen to this beautiful prayer in Scripture. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Do you remember in Luke chapter 23 when Jesus is hanging, pinned on a cross, and he's in between two criminals? One clowns him, basically. If you're who you say you are, get down. Another simply prays this. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Nine words. Nine words from a thief. And you know what Jesus says to him? Truly, I say to you, today you will be in paradise. Nine words. 
The thief's word prayer wasn't long, but it was real. The priest, the, the, the thief's prayer, it wasn't uh, superficial, it was authentic. And God responded. This is how followers of Jesus must pray. We don't have to get caught up in praying long, meaningless prayers. Instead, we are to pray honest, straightforward, real, authentic prayers to our God. And we are able to pray with confidence, knowing that you are not waking him up. Church family, you're not waking God up by praying. You're not informing him. The God we are praying to, our Heavenly Father, he knows exactly what is weighing you down. He knows exactly the situation you are in. He knows what is causing you fear, pain, anger. He knows it all. And for that reason, you are able to come to him and pray straightforward prayers. Allow this to motivate you to pray not as a filibuster, but simply as a conversation with your father. I want to challenge you uh, with something. Next Sunday, next Sunday morning, as is every Sunday morning, there is a space in our liturgy of a confession of sin. And I'm going to put my cards out here. Y'all know I'm a sinner. Sometimes it is so easy to just read those words on a page. Meaninglessly. Your mind's somewhere else. This is my challenge. This is my challenge next Sunday. When we get to the corporate confession of sin, do let this text remind you to be fully engaged and to let those prayers be a prayer from the heart, fully engaged with your Father. Wake yourself up next Sunday morning and pray fully engaged with your Father. Prayer is our lifeline as a Christian. It is what we do. But Jesus reminds us that as children of God, how we pray will be entirely different from those who do not call God Father. It will differ from the self-righteous. It will differ from those who worship other gods. For us as followers of Jesus, we are in an entirely different category. As a child of God, You want to know how you should pray? As a child of the king, pray whenever you can. Pray focused on God and pray straightforward to him. You and I have a relationship with the Father that is unmatched. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. We need grace and mercy. Help us in this moment to hear your word and to respond in faith and obedience. We love you, but more importantly, you love us. Pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.